Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Previously on Chaotic Normal, the Shattered Isles. The crew met with Gellin Primewater their benefactor after successfully dealing with the sea ghost and met with a captured lizard folk and learned of the impending plan to attack port providence but before they could do anything with this information they needed to get rid of the kraken curse that was cast upon rubert by a hag they decided to meet up with some ghouls and trade for some items and so they met up with a shepherd to load their ship with livestock to trade to the ghouls so they could feast in exchange for magic items. They sail there at a meeting point near the Merfolk where they know there is a Kraken priestess who can tell them of how to get rid of the curse. But will the crew of Melora's Borealis make it to the ghouls or will they be befallen upon by another group of rogue pirates? Let us find out on Chaotic Mormon. The Shattered Isles. make a uh, uh, check here to identify uh, basically the quality of your route uh, to see basically if you did a good planning or not. Um, it's going to be a navigator's tools check uh, and it's going to be using wisdom. So you are proficient in navigator's tools and then it is uh, wisdom. So wisdom modifier plus proficiency bonus on a d20. Okay. Can I help because I'm also proficient in navigator's tools? Yeah. Only if, yeah, I guess because that was a council of everyone working together to make a decision. And I'll give Celeste Bardic inspiration as well. Nice, Ooh. Celeste. Get it. Get that You're inspired. Rubert does a dope knife trick and you're like, oh, oh no, Rubert throws a knife at the table and happens to mark the exact spot. And you're like, you ruined my map, but it inspires you. I guess. <laughs> I wish you'd stop putting holes in my map, though. Phil can mending. He can mending it. It's paper. <laughs> this is very delicate material. I got an eighteen, but y'all, you got an 18? why are you all in here? Yeah, I got an eighteen. All right. Um, you pick your course, and you haven't been out this far, and you're going actually a pretty good distance here. So the course you've selected, uh, there's a lot of unknowns. 
Um, that means Wait, that you, there you is NDA going to be a from Bardic Inspiration. I thought you said it was. Oh no, I did not. Nope. Nice. Hang on one second. But then That's you look at where Rubert's knife is at. <laughs> 21 and you're like oh my god i was about to move us straight into a oh, whirlpool i was so busy at yelling at people and ruining my maps that i was the one who was wrong not really but all right uh you did good enough that uh because i am you know you're still going to be out on the open water you're likely going to encounter one uh uh open water encounter but uh, because of you succeeding at the navigation check, you're going to get to tell me if you want me to re-roll it when we determine what that encounter is. Um, and so it might be something like a pirate ship attacks you. It's less likely because of where you chose to go. Uh, but it might be something like you see a nice dolphin. That's also in here. So, yeah, re-rolling is pretty useful in such a scenario. Uh, Do I get to hear the encounter first and then yes. we decide? Okay. Yeah, and that's your cards portenting it. Okay. Uh, but you set out finally. Uh, your night journey begins. You sail uh, out from Port Providence along the Tres Arcanis, or the Tres Arcanistas, uh, along those Los Ailes Arcanistas. And as you move past them, you see the uh, tower of the terrible sorcerer conqueror who ruled here. Uh, or who once settled here, like the Warlock with the Jalarans years ago, the Conquistadors. You move past the third sister, where or the third Arcanist, where you had delved into the Sunless Citadel. You can hear the goblin tribes, even from this distance, their drums and shouting, echoing uh, off the crashing waves around. And then you pass into the actual proper Melora's Vale, so named for being a uh, fog-prone area, but incredibly gentle and easygoing for ships. It is an area that uh, fishermen are well protected and is rich with fish and sea life and is so named Melora's Vale as it is considered a uh, bountiful and beautiful place, uh, full of safety for all people of the sea. Um, and you sail in, or as you sail into Melora's Vale, there is one problem that uh, people know about. It's that there is the large uh, sacred isle, as it's called, La Isla Segunda, uh, so named for its basically being the most prominent island in Melora's Vale, um, which once spotted or sported a major uh, lighthouse, but has since that lighthouse has for years been silent and empty. Um, and the abbey that was once on La Isla Segunda has long since been abandoned. Although rumors hold of strange ships still going to this island, uh, arriving by night, and uh, that people that and or, but anyone who dares to explore it disappears in its dunes before ever reaching the at the abbey at the center of this rocky island, rocky sand island. Uh, you pass by uh, La Isla Segunda, trying to make sure to avoid its rocky shoals that the. Um, lighthouse was meant to guard against so you end up having to keep a wide berth of it which brings you to uh dalrakabor a small dwarven uh island and as you pass by that this is actually likely where uh uh where uh zelnern there we go uh grew up is on dalrakabor but you pass by it amongst a myriad of small islands most of which have been explored and like small islands and um atolls most of which have been explored but not many of which have been 
you know, named or have anything of note on them. A prominent place for small meetings of pirates in the sea. But as you keep sailing down past there and past the Watcher Isle, and instead as you pass La Isla Segunda, you do not continue south along Melora's Vale. You do not go near Dracapor nor the Watcher Isle. Instead, you cut across to the north. Uh, passing a brief stretch of open sea before entering, uh, or before entering a, the or, or the archipelago that begins the Merfolk Islands, Uskarn looms in the distance, only noticeable from the uh, crow's nest by daylight. So even at this hour, you cannot see it, though the sea is bright with the light of uh, the moon that shines all around you, the stars sparkling out bright above, creating a perfect map from which to navigate. And as you cross this open water and enter into the uh, Merfolk Islands, yeah, the crossing here, uh, yeah, as you cross into the Merfolk Islands, your crew moving at a much more cozy and comfortable pace, keeping themselves fresh in case of danger. Uh, Do you pop the, uh, do you preemptively pop the uh, ever-smoking bottle? Say the word, Captain. Deck wizard at the ready. I'm waving my arms around, doing a weird dance. It's still night, right? Yeah, it's night moving towards morning. Yeah, I think I think yes, Phil, I believe let's pop let's pop some bottles. Alright, Captain, here I go. Alright, it's open. Uh, the uh the ever smoking uh bottle starts pouring out a great cloud of fog all around you, shrouding you in fog. Uh unfortunately it does limit your ability to navigate as you are surrounded in fog. Uh, but you're being guided by uh, Celeste's sufficient navigation and portents. So you're fine so long as you don't... You'll have to deactivate the fog before getting close to anything or else you'll uh, crash into rocks. But here as you're navigating between islands that are like two to three hours of sailing apart from each other, it's plenty fine. Um, you do have a... Uh, or as the sun begins to rise as you pass through the... Uh, eastern reaches of the merfolk islands where the archipelago is more large broken up islands um before stretching into the smaller islands that frequently flood over leaving only the mangrove trees above water um you do again the sun begins to rise you do have the ability to get somebody up in the crow's nest uh to keep watch uh and reasonably you use your new crewmate yep who, I don't think uh, that crewmate was willing to leave the entire time anyway, so. That's true. Uh, so you hear uh, shouting down from the, uh, you're shouting down from the uh, crow's nest. Lenora the archer uh, shouts, ship ahead. Oh, all right. <clears throat> We're, how far, how far ahead? Sailing vessel off the... Let's find out. Sailing vessel off the uh, to or sailing vessel to the southwest uh, off the what did that be? That'd be starboard side. Um, and as she calls that out, uh, you try to gaze out, but obviously you can't through the fog. Uh, she guesstimates that the ship is seven miles away, giving you good distance um, uh, from it, but not so far that it might it won't spot you. Um, and then she calls out details of it as she gathers it. Uh, sailing vessel, two masts, and then she tr- seems to be decide- trying to figure out its purpose. Doesn't look to be heavily armed. It's piled high with cargo. What kind of flag is it flying? 
Her keen eyes look out. Agdaland, she calls out. Mm. Leave it be. We couldn't. Is it sailing towards us or away from us or perpendicular or parallel? Uh, she says that it is sailing. So it's currently to the southwest and it's sailing towards your uh, southeast. So it should be passing by you, like uh, parallel with you and not be a problem unless you choose to go and intercept it. As much as I would love some of that cargo, our holds are already full of very old and sick animals. <laughs> you choose, you are fortunate enough that that vessel is not a pirate as the morning rises. At this point, the fog makes perfect sense as the mist rises all around you, and you blend in with the fog of the rest, making your way further and deeper into the Merfolk Isles. It's soon that you'll be passing by Uskarn proper. But before you uh, reach Uskarn... Uh, the situation below deck starts to grow worse and worse as uh, another, as a cow is found dead and crewmen start complaining of the rancid smell. Um, it very quickly becomes apparent that these are sick animals, not just sickly, but there is a disease amongst these animals that seems to be spreading from one to the other. Whether or not it's contagious for people is unknown, um, but it certainly is hurting and harming the uh, animals below deck. Worse is the need to keep them fed and alive to any degree so that you can trade them off to the Unleben. And that kind of feeding and care falls to the ship's cook. Yes, Celeste? Would it be helpful to use detect poison and disease for this? And then could we like also as a follow-up cast like a healing spell for it? If, if uh, Zellner needs a, it after doing his cookly duties? A healing spell wouldn't do anything for it. Something like uh, that actually treats disease would, which I don't know what spells do. I think lesser restoration could. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, so the responsibility does fall to the ship's cook. Uh, how do you go about feeding and caring for these animals that you're also rapidly discovering are pretty sick? Oh, oh God. Okay. Um, everyone, everyone calm down. Stop, stop neighing. No, okay. But pets? Do, do, who wants the pet? No? Okay. Um, which, um, I've got seawater now, okay, um. <laughs> You're feeding um, with, does it look like any of the animals would eat another one of the animals? Like, if we sacrifice one of these animals. <laughs> hey, cat, hey, Chef Kevin, I actually was just thinking about that. I could, I could purify food and drink on the dead ones. We could cut them up and feed them to the other ones. What are you I thinking? Think, I think that's a good idea. I, it's a fucking nightmare. I, I didn't think about feeding all those animals, but I, I need food for the crew. So, um, which one looks like it's not going to make it? Well, let's just do the dead ones. I'll purify them right now. Are you going to cut them in the field or should we have the guys take them to the kitchen? What's easier? <laughs> You have to decide, quick, quicker. No, no, don't do this. (laughs) I gotta go. I can't do this. All right, uh, Zelnern, the the difficulty of trying to care for these animals proves quite intense. Um, I'm going, but you know, fortunately, you did succeed earlier at getting them on board without an issue. So um, you do have advantage on the ability to uh, feed and care for these. But I'm going to need an animal handling from you to see how well you can make do. You have advantage on this, though. I can do that. 21. Remarkably, uh, what did you get if you didn't have the advantage? 
uh, I got a I would have gotten a 15. All right, that wouldn't have succeeded. So remarkably, the uh, uh, you manage to feed and care for the animals well enough that you don't lose more than just a few to sickness as you're making this journey. Uh, you start to get a pattern to it, and it's definitely like a patch, like a game of whack-a-mole to put out problems, and you find yourself almost fully occupied with this business of uh, animal care down below deck, and you realize the difficulty of transporting uh, livestock. Um, but, uh, as the, uh, day goes on and the morning starts turning to afternoon, the animals are taken care of and you are by now having passed Uskarn proper and entering into the Merfolk Isles. Um, you know that you should be getting there soon, uh, or by evening, even in fall to meet with you in Lieben. When you hear again, Lenora, the archer call out another ship, sailing ship, off the uh, uh directly uh front what is front on a boat oh, forward bow <laughs> off the forward bow our sailing ship off the forward bow four miles out so nearby relatively and by now your smoke cloud while it's still ever smoking you are like an early afternoon fog cloud uh, and it's less uh hidden but she calls out that it's, uh, or she calls that out. You shout out asking for the purpose of the vessel, and she remarks, "Passenger looks to be armed. Seems to be pleasure cruise." <laughs> uh, she calls out that it does seem to be a pleasure cruise. It is flying a Zilcomnus banner though, but it seems to be like a passenger vessel for people, uh, you know, choosing to either transport from A to B. Or choosing to, uh, you know, being out for like a pleasure cruise uh, or what business, you're not sure, but it's meant to uh, travel people. Should we pirate it? No, again, we our cargo holds are full of these animals. <laughs> Do they not have gold? You are aware that this uh, route through the uh, that they're following that you're now on is the Channel of Drowned Honor. Um, you have passed by La Ila. Was that La Isla Vigilante um, and uh, another lighthouse island? But you are in the channel of drowned honor, which is the route by which ships coming from northern lands like uh, Hearth or like Hearthland or Delacamp make their way into the Shattered Isles. They avoid the dead reef to the north, which is a massive undead reef. Um, and instead pass through the channel of drowned honor into the Merfolk Islands. So it's likely this passenger ship is coming down from those northern lands of Hearthland uh, to bring goods and or to bring people to uh, Port Providence or somewhere else in the Shattered Isles. But opting not to pirate them, although you hear among the crew a, yeah, yeah, but they got cash. They're rich up north. Yes, they're also, I think, known for their defenses i think it would be best to leave them alone for now we don't want to draw any unwanted attention to ourselves you keep no yourself problem. you keep yourselves from uh, entering into uh, uh piracy just yet and make your way into the merfolk islands uh, into the farther reach of them where the islands are smaller. It's countless atolls now with the occasional jutting piece of cliff thrust up from the ocean. And it's one of these jutting pieces of cliff that by the time uh, that you find 
by the time it's probably like late afternoon, reaching early evening, when you spot the vessel of the Unliben Virati uh, anchored off um, of one of these uh, basically struck, like basically nothing. When I call it an island, that seems forced. It's more just rocks jutting out of the water with a bit of surface area on it. And there is a small beach on which there's already a uh, rowboat uh, having been rowed out from the uh, Unliben Virati ship. Uh, the faithful Birati, as it was called, um, and uh, they're waiting on board beneath, or they're waiting on land beneath a, uh, with like a bonfire lit to draw your attention to it, uh, with a like canopy set up to hide them from the uh, still setting sun. You make your way closer and anchoring yourself off to uh, off to sea. Do you want to pirate their boat while they're on land? No. Uh, you make you lay anchor uh, off to sea, um, and uh, you know kind of closer to the uh, shore, so you can actually get the uh, ships there and, or the animals there. And probably you start... uh, cork the smoking bottle too. That's On a good it, point. Captain. Yeah, you, it takes a while for the fog to fade, but it does. And you lower the naughty dreams, setting down the officers, uh, designating your seconds and then rowing across uh, to the island to meet with the faithful quartermasters of Buryat, the Lieben ghouls. Um, <clears throat> as we lower the ship, I sit up front and I'm like, all right, Jules, get to it. That's what you get for taking my boat without asking. <laughs> get rowing. Oh, oh, me? A- you too, Celeste. Go ahead. One of you pilot. What are you rowing? Not really my strong suit. But what if uh, I just did a Taroka reading for you later? All right, I'm sold. Jules, get <laughs> to work. I start kind of half-heartedly rowing, and meanwhile, I'm shape watering us under the boat to make it a little easier on my weak arms. Man, he is good at that. <laughs> I'm surprised. Effortless, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, don't say, don't diminish what I do. You, I'm just trying to say you're doing a good job. Thank you. You arrive on shore, a bit of bickering aside, uh, and step out onto land and move to meet you and Lieben. Uh, you see a familiar face there, and I put face in quotes because it's still hidden beneath his hood, uh, but you hear the voice of Adelbrecht Auspitz, the faithful quartermaster of Biriat. And as you approach, the ghoul holds his hand up, so mouth covering his, uh, or uh, like a scarf covering uh, Adelbrecht von Auspitz's uh, like nose or noseless face and mouth, leaving just his hollow dead eyes uh, visible beneath his hood and scarf. And the ghoul holds his hand up to you. There's a few other uh, Unleben by his side. All of them are dressed in like a rogue's leathers with cutlasses at hand and seem ready for a du- uh, fight or a battle if that's what you should bring. You do see that they have several chests around them and like weapon cases. And, uh, you know, it's clear they brought arse, like they brought items from their ship to uh, proffer and make offerings to you, as well as several scrolls of paperwork. Um, and as you approach and they've got like a table set up beneath this canopy, uh, there is wine available to, to drink, as well as a few old withered apples and uh, other food items in quotes. Uh and immediately Auspitz uh, gestures towards them and says, drink and eat if you should wish. Does the wine, I give the wine a sniff. Does it seem like palatable? Uh, it 
smells kind of or sorry, it smells of quality Birati vintage. So it's oh, like okay. fine French wines. Oh, how gracious of you. I kind of uh see some apprehension on the faces of the others and Oh no, Rubert's already a few drinking of these. a glass. <laughs> drinking, yeah, Rubert's already got a glass in hand. Uh Auspitz points to the bowl of withered apples and says, Try an apple next. Mm, those uh they look a little bit mealy. We're a little picky, I'm sorry. It, it would be rude not to. These look great. I grab one. He nods and he says, finest apples we have in beer yet. They were, once, they were once renowned for the quality. I'm taking a bite now. <laughs> I turn around. <laughs> uh, he then says, we have given, we have fed you and uh, thirsted you. You are now considered guests. We have not treated you as cattle. And by the Unleben Creed, we shall not feast upon uh, sentient flesh. Thank you. Very oh, nice. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that is good to know. <laughs> he nods as if uh, he's done a great respect by saying they're not going to eat your flesh. Um, he then, or you then, or sorry, no, the Auspitz then asks, So, the livestock, what have you brought to offer? Oh, quite the bounty. Um, I believe Phil has the uh, entire uh, list handy. He's done the head count, I believe. The yeah. the ones that died. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. It was a bit of a tough trip. We lost. How many did we lose in total? Was it just three or two? Uh, you lost. Let's do a D6. No, actually did pretty good on it. So we're doing a D4. You lost at two plus one. You lost three. Two pigs uh, and a cow. We lost two pigs and a cow. Uh, I just want to know how we should navigate from here if you're still interested in those. Otherwise, we could keep them on our end. Uh, Auspitz sort of uh, coughs alone and says dead flesh is fit only for the verhungert the, li- the unlieben feast upon flesh still living I, I understand and meant no disrespect uh, we will kindly keep them aboard um, and I will get the, the ladies and gentlemen to unload these so uh, mm. where you want them you give him the head count and he talks there and he says er, and he you know, you work out some logistics and it becomes clear that the best way is going to be to lash your two ships together and basically uh, haul them over on ropes, uh, like cow after cow into their uh, dense packed holds beneath uh, where they're not going to be treated well. Um, and as you itemize things off, do you withhold information of the two quality chickens in the dog? <laughs> uh, yeah, Which... I don't think we say anything about the dog, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say anything about that. Uh, as you're talking, Auspitz does uh, ask if you, there was any cats among the group, um, and it's clear he doesn't regard the uh, Melora's sanctity for cats. Uh, there are a few cats aboard the ship, but those those came with the ship. Those belong to us already. Adelbrick nods and says, for this uh, bounty you have brought to us, uh, we and he kind of sums it up and says, there's a good quality of material you've brought. Great flesh for the feasting. We'll have brought back quality goods for the Unleben. And after some back and forth, uh, you know, he 
is willing to offer you a total of five magic items hey. of your choice from a random nice. generation. Hey, That's a good number. Uh, well, we have you too. We have a couple magic items that we were trying to offload, so I don't know if we might be able to sweeten the deal here. And what I'm referring to is, if no one cares, uh, that sinking armor. <laughs> and maybe the net. I mean, the net's come in handy, but do we really need a net that bad if we could get some other stuff on the list? Maybe. We've also got the uh, oil of conflagration. Yeah. I don't and, know if we uh, want to offload some of this stuff right now. The oil of awakened Sorry. conflagration. Conflagrative awakening. Yeah, conflagrative awakening. There we go. So I got a potion of diminution, which I don't know if it's more useful for us to trade or to use. I like I like the oil of uh, awakened conflagration or the. I want I hope to never to, use it. But... I want Zelda make a calcifer. I want like a talking fire. That would be cool. Question. Yes. Are we tricking them with the fact that the cattle are sick, or are they aware that we're giving them sick cattle? Um, it turns out they don't seem to care about okay. them being sick or not. Whew. Yeah, I don't think these guys can get sick. <laughs> no. You see, it's a blessing. Win-win. Alright, uh, so they say that they are willing to do a one-to-one trade for the items if the items are actually of quality. As you describe the, uh, the armor of sinking uh they explained that that's not actually that's a curse not a uh, boon um and that they're not interested in cursed items uh, does anyone care for this net the net they are certainly interested in they say it's of great value and that uh they would uh are in that there are those among the trachelheim as they call them who would be uh quite interested in such a tool for trapping live prey um <laughs> Well, maybe let's see what you got first. You got my interest peak now. It's worth more than I thought it was. You mean animals, right? Leave it. Yeah, okay, oh. yeah, live, yeah, okay. Living animals, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the uh, items they uh, unfurl to you and reveal, and they're again willing to give you six items uh, for reference, one of what you take has to go to uh, Prime Water. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then they are willing to trade on a one-to-one for the uh, uh, net if you wish to give it up. The items I have randomly generated are... Are they interested in the Potion of Diminution at all? They are interested in that as well. They would, they'll would. they trade that for that. Sorry, uh, net they'll give two items for and the Diminution they'll give one uh, equivalent item for. Uh, all right. What they reveal to you, a vile, or yeah, the first item they present before you is a elven crafted, like, vial of red sand with beautiful filigree all around it. Uh, and it's clearly done in an elven style. He explains that this is from Old Biryat before the, uh, um, or before the fall of Biryat. Uh, while he doesn't elaborate on that, you're aware the fall of Biryat is when they stopped being an elven kingdom and became ghouls. Uh, <clears throat> this is a clearly this pair or this item that's the red sand glass, elven glass, is clearly ornamental um, and is quite beautiful to look upon. And as he describes it, uh, he says that the bearer of the item 
it, it amplifies their conscientiousness. Anytime they consider a malevolent act, the item will ping them, uh, ping their conscientiousness and uh, basically give them guilt uh, so that they know to not consider malevolent acts and instead bring the gift and blessing that the item was designed to offer. Get that uh, thing away from me. Get it away from me. Uh, he also adds, though, that... Uh, oh yeah, so he, he adds that part, but explains that this item is uh, makes a person immune to contracting any disease. If you're already infected with a disease, the effect of the disease disperse and are suppressed so long as you wear the pendant. Um, so that's the first item he uh, proffers up to you is a uh, or an elven periaptive health that's ornamental and makes you feel uh, conscientious. Would the conscientiousness be considered a curse or a... No, it's a property. It's a benefit. Okay. Out here, it would be considered a curse, though. Um, uh, the next item he proffers over towards you... Uh, is a spell or as a scroll of continual flame. Uh, it says that this was originally written by uh, or th- yeah, this spell scroll was originally written by a uh, uh, an earth elemental trying as a basically love letter to uh, a in the plane of it was written by an earth elemental uh, in the place in the elemental chaos where earth borders with fire and. Uh, it was written as a love letter, he claims, by an elemental to a fire genie. Um, this is the story he shares about it, but you're not quite certain if that's real, um, because that's a pretty insane story. Um, there is no special Romantic properties though. of the spell scroll, but as it is the uh, spell Continual Flame, basically Continual Flame, you basically, this has the reagents included in it, but you light a fire, or like a torch or any such item, and it will burn forever and never create heat or use oxygen. It is a very valuable type of thing to have aboard a uh, a boat because you could use it to light your uh, your lanterns without having to uh, have them actually be producing heat or th- or regular flame, and so you'd have a light without them risking your ship catching fire that is yeah i like that we could could you basically keep like a a brazier yeah like a lantern or a brazier somewhere and like continually lighting lanterns and stuff from it yes i'd say so you can again they don't do any damage so you couldn't shoot them off and if they leave the ship they'd uh basically just they'd have to be close to the brazier cool do we decide what kind of color the fire is or does it just look like fire uh, it burns like molten lava because it is a basically the scroll is a love letter written by an earth elemental to a genie. But if you read that out, the magic in it can light their love forever in a brazier. That's very romantic. Hey, like Rubert, you're a bard, right? That story could make some money if you knew how to sing a song. I'm not much of a singer, but I could do a knife dance and tell the story at the same time. What about that other guy on our ship? He could sing a song about it. Let's talk to that other guy aboard the ship. He might be able to make some money off this. My performances go unappreciated yet again. Uh, Ned Shankshaft is listening in and saying that he could totally write a story about that. Um, the next item uh, offered over is a... Uh, oh, I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's a potion of greater healing is what he uh, uh, proffers over to you. 
this potion of greater healing is just a casual human creation. It's from the black alchemists of uh, Pestiland. Um, and uh, it carries with it no bonus properties, but it is a trusted and high quality craftsmanship. Uh, the next item he uh, proffers to you is a uh, it is a holy symbol uh, devoted to Cord, the uh, Storm Father. Uh, it is, and it's a so it's a great uh, lightning bolt shaped uh, holy symbol that he explains is a guardian emblem. Um, only a cleric or paladin can attune to this item, uh, but uh, but it can be easily attached to a suit of armor or a shield. Um, but it has three charges, and whenever you see a creature within 30 feet of you suffer a critical hit while you're wearing the armor or wielding the shield that bears the emblem, you can use your reaction to expend one charge to turn that critical hit into a normal hit. Um, so a cool ability to protect those around you. The item was crafted by dwarves. Um, uh, yeah, by uh, dwarves paying on... Right, the, uh, the dwarves of... The Shattered Isles. Why did I forget that name? Uh, the Dwarves of the Shattered Isles crafted this uh, as in order to pay homage to their god of the storm. And uh, it is a quite beneficial thing. However, he does warn you that uh, while uh, wearing... Or that it is made of such gleaming, bright material that cannot get dirty and will always reflect any lantern or firelight that it sees. Zelnarin would love that. So... Uh... Yeah. Is it clerics or paladins? Are you yeah. gonna try and are you oh. gonna subclass into it? Okay, I missed that part. Um probably not, but possibly. But probably not. <laughs> Just wear it and not be able to use it. Like, yeah. Still. yeah. The next item he hands over to you is a robe um that seems to be uh light as air and uh is incredibly silky and diaphanous. Um, basically, it looks like a elegant nightgown. Uh, however, there are patches sewn all across it of various fabrics that, or like not patches, but like um, what are they called? Like or like uh, sewn across it are various like rings and hoops that would fall off of it, like trailing uh, threads of this diaphanous fabric. Um, but you realize that each of them has sewn and stitched into it various items and details on it and he explains that this robe is full of useful items if you pull one of the patches off that item become or suddenly manifests in the real world this diaphanous robe of useful items was a symbol of power for a uh uh for a air genocide queen and was used to uh denote her beauty and elegance across the world to wear it is clearly a sign like it is a very powerful looking uh item um but he warns uh that this thing uh does make its bear covetous uh those who uh bear it while they are light of spirit become weighed down with a desire for wealth and greed hmm what if you, yeah, what if you already have that? Then there is no issue. That's very Phil, I feel like. You think that Phil would look great in the uh, diaphanous flowing yeah. nightgown? Yeah. Man, you know more about myself than I do sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, I was kind of looking at it, but let's see, let's see what else he's got going on. 
Does that have charges on it? Sorry, uh, so it's a robe of useful items. So there's a, I'm not going to roll those up unless you take it. So you have to choose to consent to the robe of useful items <laughs> before uh, doing it. But a robe of useful items, it has 13 items on it. Basically, uh, we roll a D100 to identify what each robe is, or each patch is. And it's things like 10 gems worth 100 gold pieces each, a wooden ladder, a portable ram, two mastiffs, a spell scroll, potion of healing and basically the robe is there and when you pull it off you can use that item okay oh actually sorry sorry it's like you uh when you pull it off and use it it rolls randomly on one of these to determine what you get so you might be like oh i really need a wooden ladder but you pull it off now you get a riding horse with saddlebags okay so it's a it's a lull random item uh, but so a diaphanous robe of useful items from that was a symbol of power for an air genocide um, next he offers to you a, he starts to pull out a net, then realizes you're trying to give up a plus three net. He packs that one away and pulls out a potion burning bright with fire inside of it. Uh, he explains that this, uh, uh, potion is, uh, that this potion is made of first off, or it's stored in unbreakable glass, which is important. Um, but the, the potion itself is, uh, said to be from the for or the fires of the Forge of Fury itself, and was crafted by dwarves, um, and that uh, this is a potion of fire breathing. Uh, anyone who takes it gains the ability to basically shoot, exhale fire from their breath uh, or from the mouth, dealing four d six fire damage. Is that a permanent effect or like? Uh, it lasts for three times or one hour. Uh, next item he proffers over to you, seeing the lack of attention to that, <laughs> is he withdraws a staff. Uh, it is shaped like a serpent, and when he uh, uh, pulls it free, he explains that this uh, staff is from is a uh, fae staff from the wild court of the fae, said to be wielded by a uh, doomsday cult, an anti-civilization cult called the Iangwa Ka. Uh, this serpent staff, um, or this uh, staff of the adder, as he says, does, or the staff of the adder uh, can be, you can speak a word and have it animate as a poisonous snake, or the head animate as a poisonous snake for one minute, which allows this thing to bite and snap at people around, and on a hit it deals 1d6 piercing damage and de- forces a save against poison damage. Um, and uh, he explains that this staff, though, uh, yeah, it was, it belonged to the Iangwaka, this de- this doomsday cult, uh, but it has no uh, quirks or anything. All right. And then uh, so that's what we've got so far. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, he then proffers up to you a set of sending stones. These sending stones were uh, crafted. Um, or yeah, these sending stones are basically both large conch shells that he said were uh, made by the... Uh, uh, merfolk uh, beneath the waves uh, and through a vent to the elemental plane of water. But basically, if you if you speak into the uh, one of these things, the other person can hold it up to their ear, and instead of hearing the ocean, they will hear your words carried across it. Uh, he does warn you that if you can't speak wet speak, you're going to have some issues with it. Like you're, you'll be able to understand, just your words will be a little garbled coming through it. 
but otherwise uh it is uh a perfectly functional uh merfolk sending stone wow that seems incredibly useful yeah um absolutely uh by the way would you also be interested in a potion of speed he would be interesting do you have any more magical items he says he has two more items to offer to you today uh the next one is an instrument of the bards he withdraws this instrument of the bards uh, this one he says is of a celestial uh, origin or at least was once wielded by a priest who claimed it as such um it is said to be a lute gifted by Melora herself, and uh, that it. Um, however, it carries with it a sinister uh, tale of someone who uh, won Melora's heart, only to then reject the Queen of the Sea. Uh, people within the Church of Melora or devout of Melora might see this item and feel put off by it, uh, but others might also see it as the ability to. Uh, win over the love of Melora and redeem its future. Um, it is a uh, full focal focal bandoric. Does anyone know? F o sound it out. Okay, if I'm sounding it out, Fochluchin Bandor. Is it a a Fochluchin Bandor? Obviously, yeah, that's right. Like a Maybe it's a Foklikin Bandery. A Foklikin Bandery um, is a uh, type of instrument. It's a string instrument, uh, and it's an example. It's an exquisite example of its kind, uh, and it was apparently gifted by the sea to a human bard. Um, it allows someone to play the instrument and cast one of its spells uh, using your own uh, spellcasting save in DC. Uh, what it comes with as a Foklikin Bandor is the following spells. Entangle, Fairy Fire, Shillelagh, and Speak with Animals. I like to imagine Shillelagh is you harden the Foklikin Bandor and then you can hit things with that uh, instrument really well. Uh, it also grants you a Speak with Animals, Fairy Fire, and Entangle. All of the powers are all of the blessings of Melora. Hmm. Hmm. Robert is very intrigued by it. He has one more item to show, and it's said though, or and he does say, add to the tale with this folk in Bandor, that it's said that the uh, sinister history that holds around it is somehow linked closely to the heart of Melora, which is the said to be a moat of isle or of land at the center of the doldrums, which is a great area of windless sea in the that separates the Agdulin Shattered Isles from the uh, uh, Ancien Echipel, uh shattered part of the Shattered Isles. And it's said that somehow uh, this instrument is somehow deeply connected to that heart of Melora. Seems like it could be an interesting uh, opportunity for us to explore. The final item that he offers forward is a brooch of shielding. This brooch of shielding, he explains... Uh, is a fiendish creation. Fiendish creation. It was forged in. Uh, it was forged uh, deep within the uh, empire, um, and he claims that it was made through several deals to uh, wicked things. While wearing this brooch, you have resistance to force damage and immunity to the magic missile spell. 
Um, but this brooch of shielding, uh, yeah, it, uh, he says it's imperial in make and fiendish, and is meant to be worn by high priests uh, who pay devotions to devils. And as he says this about your empire, or about the empire that's trying to take you, uh, showing that the Unleben believe that it's intrinsically a fiendish empire, um, you can tell that they are not pro-empire, although they're outsiders to the Shattered Isles. Um, he, but he so he adds that is you know it's or it's religious or ceremonial, um, gives you protection from force damage and uh, the other thing, uh, magic missile, and uh, it does, however, carry with it the uh, bearer instantly is able to speak and understand infernal. Oh, huh. that is an incredibly useful item coming from the um, mainland. These are very rare. And uh, being able to speak infernal would be very useful. It's a it's a very useful language in the empire, although not many <laughs> wish to spend the time to learn it. Uh, too much time around. In much of the world. empire, infernal is the only language you're allowed to uh, write official documents in. Can you that way? Can, can you read and write it then too? Yeah, this gives you the ability to read and write uh, and speak infernal. Yeah. Uh, so, those are the ten items he offers towards you. An elven periapt of health that's ornamental and makes you feel conscientious. An earth elemental's love letter to a fire genie uh, that uh, counts as a spell of continual flame. A black alchemist potion of greater healing. A gleaming garden, guardian emblem of cord um, forged by dwarves. Diaphanous robes of useful items that shows power and brings covetous thoughts. A potion of fire breath distilled from the very forge of fury. An Iangwaka staff of the adder that turns into a uh, snake that bites people. A pair of merfolks, uh, or a pair of large conch shells that have been turned into sending stones by the merfolk. A Melora blessed Folklican Bandor, but it, uh, that carries a sinister history of breaking Melora's heart, and an Imperial brooch of shielding that gives a person the ability to speak and use Infernal. Do any of those appeal to you all? Uh, the instrument, for sure. Hey, what do you got in that other chest over there? <laughs> uh, he shows that he has opened all of the chests that he brought. Oh, fine. I know you're hiding one back there, but... Uh, the Sending Stones and the Periaptive Health are also huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think the Sending Stones are the best thing. Six? We can do five do get just six. for our thing, right? And then and you have to give one to uh, Prime Water. Oh, we get six for just the animals? So you're getting six total for the animals. Got it. And then you're trading a net, so that's going to give you two more. And then you're... Uh... I don't know if I want to trade the net just based on what is showing yeah. up right now. Yeah, let's and he's willing to trade a potion for a potion. And I'm down to trade the potions. I don't know what you guys think. but um... Yeah, I think if we trade across one of the potions, let's give Prime Water that potion of healing. Like, there's healers among the crew. We can heal ourselves. That doesn't seem as useful. Yeah. Um, okay, so we want the Periaptive Health. We want the Sending Stones. We want the Instrument of the Bards. We want that brooch of shielding, Jules? That seems like it would be great to have. Um, the scroll of continual flame would be great to have on the ship. Yeah. I think that robe of useful items might also be yeah. good. Yeah, we'll find a use for that. Probably for sure. sending stones, peer of health, robe of useful items, folk look in Bandor, 
scroll of continual flame, roach of shielding, and then if we have extra, we would do staff of the adder, maybe. I'm thinking of that as like a prime water thing. If we just give him a potion, do you think he's going to be cool with that? He'll probably not be cool with a potion. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just, I, I, I can talk to him. He might like the holy symbol of cord. Oh, yeah, how. that too. That's probably better than the staff. Would he like that just because it's a cool, like, unique artifact? Or would he yeah. want it something he can use? Oh, he'd be just putting these on his wall. You've seen his collections. <laughs> the, uh, the potion, the fire breathing potion itself, like, Fire breathing doesn't interest me that much, but having a a way to start fire, an unbreakable glass vessel could be useful. We um, have our thing on the ship too, guys, that we can load full of fire on the front, don't we? You do. So that's yeah, another way we can do fire to get around having to use that. I can only imagine how useful it could be for us to have an unbreakable glass uh, thing. I don't know what we would use it for. <laughs> you right pull away. it out. You just dump the potion out. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted the like, box. I take it that's pretty rare, though, right? It is, like, yes. So they, for the, the glass is more interesting than the potion for that for me. Uh, all right. So uh, it sounds like the thing. So it sounds like you're interested in all of the items. You get um, nine of them. You have to pick one of them not to get. Or sorry, no. If you're not trading the net, you get uh, six of them plus a potion. Uh, we have two potions we could trade, too. Would they trade right. those potions? Yes, so then you get six items plus two potions. So you have to pick two items to not take. So we could leave out the potion of greater healing. Let me know if this is okay to, with you guys. Is that all right? Leaving that one out? Yeah, um, sounds fine. Yeah. We could leave out the serpent staff. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Cool. Um, well, you uh, if you're all on board with that, you uh, you tell that to him, and he remarks that... Uh, are that he you've made excellent choices that they're much very much so on board um and that they earn you set to unless anyone has any objections you set to uh making your trades with the uh the in Lieben and uh you soon enough have you know it takes a while to move all of the uh animals over there um but when you finish they give you your items and uh you've completed your uh your trade uh you get Yes. Why some of so some of them were like elven from their own lands? Mm-hmm. Why are they? Is is it because they're essentially cursed now? Like why are they giving those away? They seem pretty. They're special. selling them. Yeah. Why are they doing that if it's like from their own, like uh, items ex- from their people? He explains that an elven parapt of health is of no use to people who are naturally immune to disease. Fair enough. <laughs> um. And that uh, he explain, or and when you might say suggest that, uh, or and you realize that on your mind you might be thinking, oh well, isn't you being a ghoul a disease? And uh, it's clear they view it as a blessing and an advantage to be. Uh... Oh, there's a really good word for it from Cobalt Press, but I don't remember it. So they're um, not being like forced to sell their own like culturally no. significant items. They're just this is just something they decided to do. No, and when you talk, uh. uh Auspitz reveals that uh, this is viewed as a relic of the old ways of Biryat that fell, of Biryat that deserved to fall for its sin. Um, and it's clear that he views the, the Unliben Birati as the true Birati and the future of Biryat. And uh, it's a, they've undergone a cultural revolution. Hey, uh, have you seen one of these before? And I show him my bag of holding. Uh, he looks at it and he says that the, they do frequently come by those. In fact, he does explain that they will be, uh, it, or that they are going to sail back to um, 
or to Biryat now and uh, deliver this this food, but then they'll be returning back to Port Providence soon with a fresh stock of magic items, and you can basically find them anytime you're in town, and they'll be selling magic items. Yeah, keep an eye out for one of these. It might be useful to have one of these so I don't have to make one all the time. And yeah, sounds Stuff good. Like that. Uh, so you've uh, received a score, a wealth of magic items as you transition over to them. And uh, it takes most of the evening to move the animals. You know, your, your crew sleeps in shifts. And it's a good thing they didn't have to work hard, to, too hard to get here because they'd be too tired. Um, but you, once the animals are sent away um, and you and Lieben pull up anchor and start to sail off, uh, you've you know dealt with your items in whichever way you wanted. But as you... As you look through it, or as you think on the day, you realize that it is the final day of those seven days that you were told you had until the uh, Kraken awakes and finds you. You are in the Merfolk Islands. Uh, somewhere here is the ruins of Warthal Keel amongst these islands beneath the water. There you need to find the... Uh, the uh, Ilaga, the Kraken priestess of Velstuge, who lit, dwells within the ruins of Wahar Kiel, and ask her to lift the curse for you. Else the Kraken will raise or will rise. The Kraken, who it said dwell or the people of Warthal Kiel worshipped, and for his anger or for turning away from him, he broke their island. So as the uh, as you you delight in your success and you do gain a level for all that hard work, um, you uh, and you count your items, you realize that you are uh, now pushing a new problem. Where are the ruins of Warthal Keel? This one goes out to all the real chaotic normies out there. What's up? It's your boy Ryan who plays your favorite bard, Rubert Graceand, on Chaotic Normal The Shattered Isles. Thanks so much for listening and sticking around till the end of the episode. Be sure to rate and review on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The Market of Ideas, the Podcast Emporium, Ross Dress for Less. Uh, yeah, if you could share it with anyone you know, or uh, your favorite teacher, your old teacher, maybe, you know, the one that made you who you are today, check in on them and say, hey, I'm uh, who I am now today because of you and because of this podcast I listen to. Uh, send any questions, concerns, comments, or your favorite b- pulled pork recipe to chaoticnormalpod at gmail.com and stay tuned for next week when we start our new arc of exploring the ruins of the merfolk and figure out how to get rid of this damn curse that Rubert has. So until then, I'll talk to you next week and bye. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.